From remotely closing the books to multiple scenario modelling and continuous planning, the scope of responsibility for today's finance leaders has been irreversibly expanded. And if there's one thing that will continue to set CFOs apart and ensure finance can keep pace in a shifting business climate, it's the ability to understand and exploit technology to the advantage of the entire organisation. Yet new Workday research finds that 64% of finance leaders admit that it still takes weeks or more to get results at the end of a reporting period. So how can technology best enable finance leaders to meet the evolving needs of their businesses? And what can CFOs do to enable digital transformation, both within their teams and beyond? I'm Megan Wright, Senior Editor at Longitude, a Financial Times company, and joining me for this discussion is Denise Chamberlain, EVP Chief Financial Officer of the South Region of North Shore EEH Health. Denise, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Meg. There's little doubt that finance leaders have had to gear shift as the pace of change has accelerated these past two years. This is perhaps no truer of CFOs and leaders in your industry, healthcare, which continues to operate under really immense pressure. I'm wondering, Denise, what impact has the accelerated pace of change had on your role? And what is the outlook for the healthcare sector from where you're currently sitting? Well, Meg, although a lot has evolved in how we do things, the number one job of every CFO is still to maintain the financial stability of the enterprise. The explosion of the power of data analytics and the technical advancements that now allow all sorts of data to be pulled together from so many different sources has really helped to give us a much better and more powerful way to do that in recent years, but the ultimate responsibility for the CFO hasn't changed. It's just how we get there, if that makes sense. We've seen around the rest of the country, you know, the great resignation where people are leaving jobs in record numbers. We see that in healthcare, but what we also see is when you pull the covers back a little bit and see why this is happening, there's two things happening. When the first round of the pandemic happened, I heard somebody say this the other day, you would round in the hospitals and people were energetic and they were fired up and they were, this is what we were built to do. This is what you know we have planned for our entire lives for taking care of people. We can do this. And when we round now, what we see is just sheer exhaustion. So just like other industries, we are seeing a lot of people that maybe were planning to retire five years from now, deciding to go ahead and do it now. And we've also, because there's so much competition for jobs, the cost of of labor and the number of vacancies with people leaving to take a job because they can get more money is just really making the workplace very competitive. It's driving part of the turnover, the vacancies, and when you have the vacancies, then people are working even harder, which is driving the price tags up even higher. So labor is the number one concern 
in healthcare, certainly from a cost perspective right now. And we anticipate, and even our all of our rating agencies are saying, certainly all the way through 2022, labor and inflation, um, supply inflation as well. But those two things are really, really driving costs, which when you then take that back to the CFO's responsibilities, we have to figure out how we continue to maintain financial stability in the face of, you know, 7% inflation, and we are seeing 10, 15, 20% escalation in labor costs. I'm curious too, when we start to connect some of these dots, I mean, you've mentioned data and analytics and the role of the CFO. What are some of the maybe tools, technologies, structures that have enabled your organization to remain responsive and agile in the face of some of this uncertainty? Well, certainly we were maybe I would say in the right place at the right time. A few years ago, we didn't have any idea this was coming, but we had begun to put in place an infrastructure and a governance for managing costs across the organization. So we, tapping into all of the new technology and data analytics that we can get, we put a team in place that is what we call financial operations. And this is a bridge to the clinical side of our organization and the operation side of our organization so that we are working together as one team. And now tapping into the data and technology, we can take data, not just the, you know, kind of old school general ledger information for, you know, how much are we spending paying our invoices and how much is our payroll, but we can now put that together with clinical data from our patient um, electronic health records, and we can get down to the costs of taking care all the way down to an individual patient. And we can look at analyses across physicians uh, so that we can see variation in the way they practice, and maybe there's a way to learn from each other and get those costs, get those variations out, which gives us better outcomes, lower readmissions, and lower costs. So for the third year running, Workday and Longitude conducted a study of 1,150 senior business executives and 26% of those were finance leaders. The research showed that finance leaders are overall somewhat less confident in their ability to consistently meet business demands and that the transformation of their team continues to lag behind that of other core business functions such as IT and HR. Promisingly, though, it also shows that CFOs are aware of these gaps and of their need to lead with greater confidence. Denise, based on your own experience, what role do you think CFOs need to play in the digital transformation agenda of their organizations? I think that we have a very important role. And we have, with this infrastructure we put in place, we have started, I think, that transformation that we need to do certainly in healthcare. And the examples that I just gave you for how we can now use data and technology to not just look at how much is my payroll, but how much am I spending to take care of a particular patient, that comes from an intersection of clinical data and financial data talking to each other, if you will. So I think one of our big challenges is to take and get our people to talk to each other and get our people to understand each other's roles, how we affect each other, how does clinical decisions affect financial results, and how can financial 
operations teams help the operations side of the house with analyzing and making decisions and making choices, whether it's choosing technology or choosing capital equipment, how can we work together to do the financial analyses to make sure that we are making the best decisions for the organization? So I think to summarize, if you will, the biggest challenge that I have put upon myself a responsibility is to really strengthen that bridge that we have been building between finance and operations so that everybody is comfortable walking both directions and stopping and talking on that bridge. And it sounds to me like that is a cultural transformation as much as a technology one. Is that your understanding? Yes, very, very much so. It is just not something that that you typically see in an organization. So Workday's research also showed 42% of finance leaders have no confidence in their ability to model multiple scenarios. 38% lack confidence in their ability to make data-informed decisions. And 25% in the speed of their planning, execution, and analysis cycles. So I'm wondering why you think finance leaders are not necessarily confident in these areas. And does this ring true of your own experience? Finance you know, has historically, you know, sat inside our little black box and pushed out numbers at the end of the month that said revenues were this and expenses were this. But we have now moved into a world where things are changing so rapidly, whether it's competition or all the things we talked about with inflation, et cetera, that finance must be much more responsive to giving operations and leadership answers for how they should strategically move forward. What should they invest in? What new services should they stand up? What services are we you know, losing money at that we need to make some tough decisions on? We know how to build a model. We can build an Excel model and, and change the input and see what happens all day long. But in order for us to do that, we have to work together with the clinical folks and the operations folks to understand what those assumptions are. What do they mean? What does it mean if we say we're going to change this assumption about the volume or how many physicians? What If we had two physicians instead of one physician, you know, opening up this new office, what does that mean? How much more volume does that mean? How long will it take to get that extra volume? Uh, what are the services those physicians are going to provide and how much do we get paid for those? What kind of supplies do they use to take care of the patients? What kind of payers do those patients have? And so once we do that, then we will be able to really help make make those data-informed decisions and run those multiple scenarios, and we will be able to move at a greater speed. The only other thing I would say about speed is, you know, speed is kind of tied to, do you have the technology? Do you have the data analytics um, powerhouse that you need to do that? And do you have a team that, that knows how to use all the data and the technology to do that? And I think that will, that will get better over time. So what are some of the opportunities and benefits that you're most excited for thinking about the technologies and the data and analytics that we've discussed? So it all comes back and and helps finance, but when data analytics can do things that the operations people find useful and helpful and without even thinking about the financial ramifications. So, you know, the P&T committee for pharmacy can make decisions now on you know approving drugs or deciding to take a drug off of a formulary based on 
utilization and pricing and what it's being used for and the efficacy of it because they can now get all of that type of information out of data analytics, that has downstream financial impacts to the organization. So that type of, of information and power that that we can use analytics um, to give dashboards so that people can at any given time just pop up their their computer dashboard for their department and they can see, I've seen a couple that we have started building recently for you know, our labs and radiology and we can see you know what? What hours of the day we are we are just now starting to build um, labor optimization tools because we can now have data that tells us what times of the day, what the volumes are, the demands are for housekeeping at 11 a.m. versus 5 p.m. in the afternoon, so that we can take our staff and instead of just having, you know, everybody come in and work eight to five and then take whoever, you know, likes to work evenings, let them work evenings. Now we can now take the workforce and say, here's how many people I need during this time of day. Here's, and I only need this many this time of day. Because right now, it's we don't have people here at the right times. And when we are short, then the nurses are the ones that are changing bed sheets. And that is incredibly inefficient. They are not working at the top of their license. It's not fair to them. They're already exhausted, those kinds of things. So there's just, I mean, Anything and everything we touch, data analytics is is helping us find better, more efficient ways to do things, which ultimately has positive financial benefits for us. Denise, it's a very timely note to end on. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.